0: Well, we're ready, we're energised, we're refreshed, thanks to Kirk's. It's our 21st birthday here at the Bloke Pod. Yeah, good we're, times. we're... keeping it. We're keeping the celebrations low-key for now, yeah. Which is fair enough. Getting some uh, getting some good old high-quality Kirk's, cold beer, and Pasito into us. That's to, the way. To it's get not, not an official
1: sponsor, but we'll give a shout-out to him anyway. Yeah, that's right. Love your work, Kirk's. Frankly, I was planning on, like, you know, the whole marching band, 76 trombones, everything like that for the 21st, but... GJ yeah. sort of shut that one down. Yeah, so we're uh,
0: we're stuck with some some Kirk soft drinks, some some Frogs Alive and the the company of one William H. Corgi. So um, what
1: more could you ask for really? Well you could ask for the Other than the seventy six trombos, yeah. which I feel would have been Definitely. a nice sort of background pitch. Yeah. But but um,
0: fair bit to cover off today, um, start with the I guess the, the all Australian team was announced during the week. I don't know what to make of it. Well, I know what to first, make of first it. First impressions, Dan.
1: Look, Mike McCrown not getting selected in the All-Australian team a few years back was one of the best examples of professional idiocy in sports we've seen in recent times. But this year... he yeah. was
0: rant in 2009. Yeah, right? that's, all the, more that's worthwhile, the one. But, but
1: God love them at the AFL, you know. They're... They're really committed to just continually lowering their standards. And they've, yeah, let me just say one thing. Tom Hawkins versus Matthew Pavlich. That is just an absolutely staggering omission as far as I'm concerned. And it, it just smacks so much to me of this bias towards uh, he plays for Geelong and we've had all these people talk him up versus... Matthew Pavich p- plays for Fremantle, and then no one really gives two shits about him. There are a number of other selections which were very questionable and raised eyebrows, but that one in particular.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that the, the sticks in my crawl. There's, there's two issues I have with the All Australian team. The first one is Luke
1: Darcy's on the panel. Well, and Demetrio and Anderson yeah, while, well, while we're at it. I'll just, I'll just
0: target Luke Darcy for now. You don't like the way he goes about it? No, I don't like the way <laughs> Puked Darcy goes about it. Um,. And I this, like his haircut. I'll give him that. Yeah, it's good Lloyd, for a laugh. Lloyd Christmas, <laughs> come on, come on down. You get exactly. come? Is it is it is it quarter to eight or seven forty five? That's what I'd like to know. <laughs>
1: We've landed on the moon. <laughs>
0: yeah, and um, the second one is I actually think that to be honest, the 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 team selection is suffering from an identity crisis. What exactly is it representing? Is it meant to be a team that's Playing against an opposition team, is it a team that's meant to reflect the best-performing players of the year, or is it a team that seven guys just want to faffle over, basically?
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, my interpretation of it is that it's a team which includes as many well-recognised and sort of marquee players as possible. I mean... Nick Natanui had a very good season, but to say that he is picked as the All-Australian Ruckman, that's just ridiculous. And I'm quite certain that one is simply due to the fact he's the most recognisable player in the game. He's got an AFL contract, therefore they've picked him. Cyril Rioli's another one. If you're looking at it just based on merit, there's no way he gets a start. So, uh, yeah, He's got that whole sort of the delicious persona, as I call it. And you just look at some of these guys and you think they're getting picked on reputation and, and yeah, general marketability rather than actual performance this year.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, I think that the thing was there were some really, some really good picks, some very clever picks in terms of performance and all that as well. But, the, as you say, there were some that were actually quite mind-boggling, to mm. put it bluntly. So, with that in mind, the, uh, the bloke pod challenge was thrown down. And... Um, Change the all australian team but
1: we've been very very clear about i had said we should change the all australian selection panel but yeah well (laughs) that one was a bit too easy it wasn't really a challenge we have we've we've changed
0: (laughs) we've changed it from from seven to two (laughs) and um what we've done is we've basically selected our own team or as i've done i've just suggested the changes that i would make to the current team that were there we're working off of the premise that we're picking a team to be playing off in a grand final. So we're playing arguably the best team in the competition for a spot at, for a so so with the grand final. We're
1: pretending there are twenty two other blokes who they are going to be matching up against. That's rather right. than just a virtual yeah. best That's team. Right.
0: Yep. Well we're assuming that to put it into perspective they're playing either Hawthorne or Sydney. Let's just use that as an example. However, we are able to take out Hawthorne and Sydney yeah,
1: but, but the purpose of it's supposed to be like a functioning team That's in right. a match environment. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, do you want to go first? Uh, I think. I mean, I'm not sure about your where your differences sort of start yeah, and end. Okay. But for me, it's very simple. Just the forward line gets yeah. a complete overhaul. Um,
0: the that's back... that's pretty fair. You, yeah I've, mm-hmm. I've, yeah, I've made five changes to the team, and three of them were were starting forward. So yeah, yep. <laughs> I've I've actually left the back line intact. I was pretty happy with how they um, how they'd that. I think that Sean Dempster had had a tremendous year playing both tall and small for a team that was pretty much ravaged with injury with their tall defenders mm-hmm. down back. He was he was a rock for them all year. He was a great pick by the, your Australian team. He really did deserve his spot. I think McFarlane, Glass and Richards is the key defenders and the, the third tall defender is fine because Glass, he generally
1: plays tall and small these days. And we will just say, seeing D. Glass named as captain, that is was a, very much a yeah. feather in his cap for yeah. one of the all-time great West Coast players. That was really good to see.
0: Yeah, and um, yeah, it's good to see him getting some recognition there. And Waters and Birchall as your your rebounding half backs who can also play a bit taller as well. Very good selections there too. I, I think that the back six was 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 right on right on the mark. I I wouldn't recommend making any changes to that six at all. I don't know if you've made any.
1: I haven't I I look at Birchall and Waters and I think do we need one more sort of accountable defender someone like an Eric McKenzie who you know is just going to you know play one on one against a key forward
0: no, I think um, the problem is McKenzie would be going in perhaps at the expense of either McFarlane or Richards and based on his based on the those performances mm. of those teams across the year that just doesn't stack up I think Richards led the league in intercepts yep. um, throughout the year. So, To be honest... Though, and well, and McFarlane, McFarlane's first All-Australian, and he should, to be perfectly honest, he should have had three or four by now. Yeah. He's, he's criminally underrated oh, by the, some it's people. It's the same thing as what happened the to Pavlich He plays yeah. for the wrong team. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The, the one I would say is that I do have Delidio on my bench, and, and he was in the bench in the original team, and I yeah. think you could make the argument to... To bump him up um, into that starting lineup, yeah. He wanted
0: to. Well, the the argument there is is that DeLidio actually played predominantly as a midfielder this year, but he has historically played mm-hmm. as a rebounding halfback. So, yep. in theory, he's I've left him on my bench as well, and it's all, it's under the theory that he's essentially going to be my seventh defender. Yep, that I'm rotating through that
1: spot. So. Mm-hmm. So as we sort of make our way up the field, the next line is um, Koch and Watson and Beams, and I actually kept all three of those um, yeah, intact I've, as well. I've kept all three, but I would probably be moving Beams up onto the half-forward
0: line rather than playing him uh, hmm. on the wing. Um, hmm. They all definitely deserve their spots this year. There's no question of that. Yep. So, um, all
1: right then for me, the carnage begins. Um, one of the big ones that I really disagreed with was having um, Dean Cox playing in a forward pocket and yep. Ananui in the ruck. Yep. Um, setting aside the, the forward line in general, um, that was I don't agree with picking your second ruckman and playing him as a forward. I'd rather have him selected on the bench. So, having said that, I'll jump straight into it. Then um, Dangerfield definitely stays put. Yep. But Cyril Rioli goes out for Kieran Jack. Um, and as much as I love the guy, Buddy, Buddy Franklin goes out for Taylor Walker because I think when you look at the seasons that they've had and the impact that they've had on their club's performance throughout the year, Franklin missed you know a quarter of the season in one chunk after that hamstring injury and mm. the Hawks, yeah, pretty much cruised. Sat, yeah, cruised without it. I mean, they lost to Geelong in that time, but they still touched up uh, Collingwood and Essendon. Uh, and they also, oh, there was one other good win that they hadn't had in that time. But my point was that you wouldn't look at Franklin's performance this year and say if this was being treated in isolation, he should get an All-Australian. I mm. think that's definitely one where he's being picked on the back of what everyone knows he can do. Yep. Whereas Taylor Walker really had a breakout um, season and he's probably the main reason why Adelaide finished second on the ladder, I'd say. Because oh, having a having he, a big key forward like that is just he helps.
0: I think that the two midfielders Dangerfield and Thompson were pretty integral to their performance as well. Yeah, as well as, uh, as well as their ruckman, who mm. was probably the the
1: most. But a look, lot of good one. A lot of two. good teams have good midfielders like that. Whereas Taylor Walker, I think, yeah, in terms of the key forward role he played this year, I, I thought he had a great year. Um, And then when we go to the next line, Stephen Milne getting a game. Really? Just, I think it speaks volumes about how few decently performing small forwards they had in the league this year. Mm. But um, for me, even the guy I've got in there is Lewis Jetta instead, who I think just pound for pound had a much better season and again a much bigger impact. Um, And then Dean Cox... I don't have him in my forward pocket, but I do have him as my ruckman. And in his place, I've got Jordan Lewis, who I think offers you a guy who can sneak forward and kick three or four goals, but at the same time, he can also play a tagging role for you. He can be a defensive forward. He's a very versatile player. And I think if Hawthorne were to look at the games that Franklin has missed and consider how much they missed him versus how much they would miss Jordan Lewis for a chunk of the season. I think, yeah, you you might be surprised to find what a big impact Lewis actually has. Mm. And then the last one is the one we've spoken about, which was just Pavlich to come in for Hawkins. Mm. Uh, I think that's an absolute no-brainer. Tom Hawkins beat up Ryan Schoenmakers a couple of times this year. He had a couple of other games where he ran hot as a flat-track bully. Whereas Matthew Pavlich single handedly dragged his side into the finals and then when yeah, ironically enough those two teams played off in the first final, Tom Hawkins I think had nine touches or, or something like that. Whereas Matthew Pavlich kicked a lazy six on a dodgy mm. Achilles and, and on, uh, yeah,
0: I mean yeah, to put it into perspective, yeah, Hawkins was held goalless by Hack Dawson and um, mm. Tom Wanigan, who I actually rate as a pretty good defender. He's probably, you know, a little bit stiff to have missed all Australian selection. To be perfectly yeah. honest, had six kicked on him by Pat, mm. um, who, as you said, was struggling. And that's not an indictment on Wanigan. It's it just tells you how good a player Pavlich actually is. And yeah, um, I think it's yeah. It, I mean, which would have been in the team, and to, to be honest, I love Glassy, which would have been my captain. Yes, absolutely. He, he drew line right in the sand after the first derby and said, I need to lead this team better,
1: mm. and that's exactly what he did. And not only that, but, yeah, one of the key sort of indicators I use is how much impact an individual has on their team's performance. You would say for Fremantle, the turning point of their season was the game against Richmond at, at um, mm. the MCG earlier in the year, And that is probably the best individual performance I've seen this season was Matthew Pavlich's performance that day. He was outstanding, absolutely outstanding. In wet conditions, Mm. he single-handedly beat Richmond that day and more or less, yeah, turned his entire team's fortunes around. So as far as I'm concerned, yeah, Tom Hawkins doesn't even get a look in for Mm. me when you're comparing the two.
0: Yeah. Well, I've I've left him in but I'll explain why in a minute. I've made I've made five changes and you've highlighted a couple of them. My reasons are a little bit different. A couple of guys who I think are really, really stiff. You you highlighted one in your team with Taylor Walker. He he did have a tremendous year. He missed probably as many games as Franklin did, which is the only reason I'm precluding Franklin Puey because of the number of games that he missed. What? So if I was picking Walker under the same premise, then that wouldn't be fair. Well, Walker's in one chunk, though. He, well, he had two suspensions costing five games, I think, mm. throughout the year. So I think that it wouldn't be fair to
1: dismiss Franklin and replace him with a guy who'd played one less game. Mm. So. For me, the issue particularly with Franklin, though, was just that it was all in one hit. Mm. To miss I mean, a quarter well, of the season in one yeah. hit like that... I mean. But mm. in t- I, I'm, I'm really re- – if
0: you're in um, – and Pendlebury falls into this in the same reason. If I was picking a, a best 22 no matter – I'm, I'm going a little bit two ways here. If I was picking a 22 to play tomorrow, Pendlebury and Franklin would definitely be in it. But with regards to the performances yeah. across the year and the match-up of a, of a team situation, mm-hmm. if you've missed, you know, five or six games throughout the season – You really don't deserve to get picked in the team. That's just the way that that I feel. So those guys are actually admissions of mine. I've I've dropped five guys. I've dropped Cox. I've dropped Rioli. I've dropped Pendlebury. I've dropped Franklin. And I've dropped Nat Nui. Now, the Nat Nui-Cox thing, I can kind of understand what the selectors were trying to do there. They were saying, we want to play two Ruckman who balance each other out really really well and we know that we're going to get an impact from the both insperts working forwards the reality is is that 15 of the well no it's not 15 17 of the 18 teams that currently run around at the moment don't have that structure and the team that did finished fifth so you have to put that into some context it means in essence that that type of structure or that type of system probably doesn't work so i'm going to fly solo with a ruckman and i'm Begrudgingly keeping Tom Hawkins as a pinch hit second ruckman. It didn't seem like they were picking Cox and Natanui as a pair.
1: That's rather right. Rather than as yeah, that's exactly as right. That's,
0: and that's that's the problem that I have with that selection. Mm. Neither of them did enough, as far as I'm concerned, to warrant a first ruck position in terms of the structure of a team and putting and if the decision is putting Cox and Natanui in as a pair versus putting in Sam Jacobs and Matthew Pavlich. I'm picking Sam Jacobs and Matthew Pavlich. Yeah, um, so I'm very so Jacobs and Pavlich are in for Nat Nui and Cox. Like you, I've dropped Rioli and I've bought Lewis Jeter in for mm-hmm. him. I think that Lewis Jetter deserves to to get picked with with regards to uh, to the role that he plays.
1: Oh, Cyril Rioli had a very average season. His stats just don't warrant selection and in this side. I yeah.
0: think that Jetter Jeddah suffered a little bit. He over based on his performances over the past four to five weeks of that season, mm. which wasn't fair because he gave them so much spark early yeah. in the year. There's a reason why they finished first and there's a reason why they've made the grand final. He's a big part Finish, of that. Finished second. Well, they finished, <laughs> they finished third and then they won their first final. So they finished third in the
1: regular season. He was a big part of that. Um, and he was, that was something that Sydney have missed. Yeah. For, for Well, even when they won the flag in 05... They didn't have that really dangerous, um, fast-running, exciting that's midfielder right. who could just tear a game apart like mm. that. He really has brought something unique to that club, which yep. is not what Sydney are known for at all. No, that's
0: exactly <laughs> right. So I picked him there. Um, I put Sam Mitchell in for Pendlebury. And yeah, Sam Mitchell should have been in for Pendlebury anyway. Yep. Um, so that's, that's basically a no, that was basically a no-brainer for me. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I've done, which is a bit different, I've dropped Franklin, and I've brought in a defensive player, a guy who could play either as a a tagger in the midfield in a defensive role or potentially as a defensive forward. Now, if you're picking a team to match up with another team, you need at least one of those guys. You've gone the Jordan Lewis path, I think, for the same reason. I've gone with Ryan Crowley. Yep. And I think that in terms of that particular role over the course of the year, Crowley's been the best at it. He's, Absolutely. He's demolished so many players he this season. He picked year. up so many scalps this season. Yeah. And um, really did. I think you said ta- Taylor Walker, quite rightly, very stiff. You would argue from my team that Cox is probably a bit stiff to miss out, but mm-hmm. I think in terms of balance, I think that that's the right decision. Yep. The other two who are, they didn't get much talk, who are, who are really unlucky, I think, to miss the team, are, are Kieran Jack, who I know you put in. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ryan O'Keefe as well, who can play a multitude of different yep. roles too. I think that those two Sydney guys as well are a little bit unlucky. They're, they're probably in the best 30, but not in my best 22. Which is fair enough. So,
1: so, so those are your five changes yep. overall to the team. Yep. Um, I was only just getting started. I'd made those five changes to my forward line. Yep. Um, i then also... Made a bit of a controversial decision. I left out Gary Ablett, and I brought in Sam Mitchell. Um, similarly, with Ablett, I think when he missed that stretch at the start of the season through injury, um, he he his season never really got got up and going this year. I thought, um, and I think there there were a couple of games where he where he just tore the opposition apart, but I think in general he looked like he was sore in a few other games this season where he mm. did play, and then he missed a few games through injury as well. Whereas um, the guy who I brought in, Sam Mitchell, this has been an outstanding season from Sam Mitchell. You really have to admire the way he goes about it. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> for that, uh, I said admire. I said yeah. admire. But I think he's everything you want from a midfielder in that he's just... Hard, hard in at the ball, wins all the tough possessions under the packs and is a very, very good on-field leader as well, which mm. I think Ablett, you know, they handed him the Gold Coast captaincy on a platter. I don't know that he's really demonstrated much noticeable leadership at that club, whereas Sam Mitchell may have lost the captaincy to Luke Hodge, but he still plays a very important part in leading that side. Um... So the other ones then were, I had, yeah, as I said, I had Cox in place of Natanui. but then on my bench I also had Sam Jacobs. So basically I'm picking Cox and Jacobs as my two ruckmen. Mm -hmm. So whichever one starts on the field, one starts on the field and one on the bench. Um, And the other changes I made were to bring in... um, So I dropped Swan and Pendlebury from my bench. Um, So I've picked Jacobs on my bench. Yep. And Brad Sewell also gets to start on my bench, purely because I think rather than the original bench of four sort of... Well, three attacking midfielders and one defensive one, Sewell again gives you that option to sort of play more of a tagging role. Um, Mm. And he's a bit more versatile than some of the others, I would have thought. But he had a very underrated season as well this year. In many ways, I think he's been as good as Sam Mitchell because he's not someone who's going to draw a hard tag, and he's going to fly under the radar of other clubs a bit, but he yeah, he wins a lot of their hard ball and is very, very good in the clinches for them.
0: Mm. Well, he, yeah, he's probably their number one tagger, even though he doesn't really play as a tagger. Mm. Him and Shields seem to be the guys who get... Shields seems to get the best outside guy, and Sewell seems to get the best inside guy. Yeah they' when they 're when they're playing teams so yeah a, it 's a, it's a smart selection uh, with with that in mind he'd probably he'd probably i don 't think he 'd be in my top thirty but he wouldn 't miss it by march he'd be he 's around the mark he 's certainly a very important player in in hawthorne 's
1: structure mm. and I do like having him and mitchell um, selected in the side together yeah. because I think the chemistry of them would work very well yeah I mean my
0: my concern yeah. with with Saul is, is that you I've got Scott Thompson, I've got Josh Kennedy, I've got Mitchell and I've got Joe Watson I've got a lot of inside guys I haven't got too many outside guys so yeah. Swan kind of kept his job with me purely because he can gut run and he can play he can play a bit more receiver yeah. whether that's the best role for him, I don't really know and Abwood stays in my team because I see him being the guy who benefits from all those guys inside work.
1: Yeah. So. so I'm just adding mine up. I actually made nine changes in total. So yeah. a few of those were on the bench and yeah. that, but I think the forward line structure in particular for me, they just got completely wrong this yeah. season. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I was disappointed that there wasn't more outrage. You'd have to say. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it was, yeah, the, the interesting... I mean, the, the, the controversial selection was probably Natanui. Mm. Um, and look, quite rightly so, I love the guy, but there's no way he's an All-Australian yet. He's, he's nearing that mark. He's just not consistent enough right now. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's he's rec- he's looks he's dominant at Patternison Stadium, mm. but he struggles a little bit. Having said that, it's pretty obvious... Throughout the second half of the year, that he's been playing with a with an issue with an issue in his
1: upper leg. So, um, unfortunately for me, the fact that the selections I disagree with are Cyril Rioli, Stephen Milne, Nick Natanui, um and and Lance Franklin. I mean, yeah. if you look at all of those guys together, yeah. it's it's it really does seem like they're getting picked on reputation, and they're getting picked because. Um, Demetrio knows that the fans love these guys, and it'll mm. be you know. It,
0: well, I don't know about Stephen Milne. I think
1: they, I think they love to hate Stephen Milne. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, even but, there, it's like, yeah. oh, we've got to pick a small forward. So, if, if yeah. you had to name a small forward in the AFL, who comes to mind straight away? Stephen Milne. Well, I think yeah. Same look, I don't, I don't have a problem with Milne. I think
0: that in that role, he's he's the best going around in terms of that goal sneak who, who gets you goals. Um, he. You know, he's the guy, out of all of them running around, he's the guy I probably want crumbing off of my contest. So mm. I don't mind that decision so much. Uh, when the when the alternatives were Sir and Eddie Betts, I'm quite happy to stay with Milne.
1: <laughs> mm. Yeah, but, uh, well, that was the issue, really, the, the squad itself. Yeah, had the,
0: the issue was, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and... It's a fair enough to question whether he should be in there or not, considering he came kind of 12th and St Kilda's best and fairest. But mm. <laughs> I just think that it just shows you how marginalised that role is actually becoming. Yeah. So. Um, but-
1: certainly in terms of the team as a whole, pretty piss-poor effort from the selection panel you'd have to say because there were a yeah. number of sort of glaring well, omissions clearly, and oversights. Clearly
0: they, they had a four hour meeting, they had three hours discussing the backs to get it right mm. and then they just threw it together from yeah. that point forward. That's the way it seems because yeah the back line, I think the back line was, was pretty much on the money. Yeah. So um, but uh, coming from there it's uh, time for time for Charlie to, to kick around again. The yep. uh, the Brownlow coming on. This week?
1: What's your feeling? Well, one of the comments we had made previously, I think, was how difficult it is for a team, for a player from a team who hasn't made the finals to win the Brownlow. Yeah. But this year, you definitely have to say that, arguably, the two favourites, almost, um, in Ablett and Cotchin have both come from teams who didn't make the the finals. And I also think Matthew Boyd could poll potentially very well purely because in a number of games where the Western Bulldogs were smacked around, Mm. he's going to pick up one and two votes because he was (laughs) essentially the only guy out there performing for the Doggies. So I think he's someone who might fly under the radar a bit and pick up a lot of sort of, yeah, single and two votes in a number of matches. And
0: And the the thing that works to Boyd's advantage too is that um, in the games that they won, he was probably their best player. So that will help him, I think. I, I'm I'm a sucker for history, and I think that the the point that you made kind of veers me away from those guys a little bit more. Mm. I actually think that Cochin will, will find it a little bit tougher to pole than you'd think, even though he is a guy who historically does pole rather well. Yeah. Um, there's there's a bit more competition from the Richmond guys this year. Mm. Um, you know, there's there's games where Rewalt's kicked bags and he will he will take votes from Koch, and there's games that uh, that Martin's been pretty good. There's been games where Sean Grigg's been pretty good. And uh, for me, it's quite... And
1: Shane, Shane Tuck as well, so... It's quite simple. If you've lost more games than you've won, yeah. then invariably you'd expect to not be getting three yeah. votes so in those games. That's right. It's I think that
0: for, from what I've seen this year, there's a lot of good... There's gonna be a lot of guys who are gonna be around that mid twenties mark mm. in terms of polling. Yeah. So it's gonna be a matter of whether somebody absolutely bolts. Now I think Joe Watson will bolt early and get yeah. out to a pretty good lead. Him and him and possibly Pendlebury will be around the mark. Yeah. Equal at about, you know, around thirteen, round fourteen, probably in in the high teens at that stage. And then it's a matter of whether there's some of these other guys who finished the year a lot more strongly than mm. they did. Sorry, another guy who'd been that around the market at round 14 in the mid-teens is Josh Kennedy from Sydney. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a matter of whether the other guys can can run them down.
1: Um, well, at the start of the year, I pitched Sam Mitchell. yeah. <laughs> And I'm still pretty happy with that because sold. I think be the Hawks have won a lot of games, which yeah. just, yeah, it just helps you win the, you know, the three and the two votes. And we know he polls well in the past. Mm. The other guy who I I actually like, and this mm. is, yeah, an interesting one. The, the next two guys I like, I think, are Thompson and Dangerfield. Yeah. And I actually would pick Thompson ahead of Dangerfield at this at this stage. I think, I'll, yeah, I think that
0: those two are going to cause a lot of problems to each yeah. other. They're going to invert a lot of threes and twos. Yeah. Um, you'll know early what's going on with those guys because mm-hmm. there are a lot of games where they will they will probably split the three and the two. Yeah. Um, if it's continually going one way over the other, then you would think that one of them is actually probably going to get up.
1: Yeah, um, I just think as a mid it is a midfielder's medal. Yeah, then a lot of the um, performances and say. Thompson getting thirty possessions and Dangerfield getting twenty five and kicking three goals. Mm. My yeah, my gut feel is that Thompson's more likely to get the maximum votes for those games. Mm. But again, you know, well, the three I guys think, I mentioned are from the top two teams in the ladder, and the number of games that they're winning is. I just think going yeah, to help the
0: them a lot. from what I, from what I've seen, there's there's I think that there's ten games that Dangerfield will definitely poll in, and he will poll high. Yeah. So I think that he could he could very well get into the mid 20s. So then it becomes a matter if you think that Dangerfield's going to get into the mid 20s, who else has had a good enough year to poll that well. Mm. And that, that that shortens the field
1: considerably. Considerably okay. down to about four or five guys I think to be honest. The other big issue is just how much of the season Swan, Pendlebury and Ablett all missed. I mean, mm. I think Dane Swan's club suspension at the end yeah. of the season could actually be very, very important. Thank
0: you, thank you for making my point. I was actually going to say <laughs> yeah. the guy who I, I think everybody's dismissing, who I still think will poll very well, is Dane Swan. Yeah. But I think you're right. The two, he might miss a chance of going back to back. Purely because of that two-game suspension,
1: and not only that, but the form that he was in at that stage. Mm. um, It's not so much just missing the two games, but the way he was playing at that stage. You would say, you know, he's going to pick up, you know, at least four votes from from those two games. He was Mm. he was on fire when that suspension came into effect. Yeah. So yeah,
0: it's so yeah. He's he's one that you can get really good odds on that I think so. So thinks a chance. Mm. I think he's a real chance. I think he could get. He could get mid twenties. Yeah. Um, the issue is, as you say, Pendlebury, and then later in the year, Dane Beams will be yeah. taking votes off of off of him.
1: Yeah. Um, but I mean, we've just thrown around, yeah, maybe ten names well, or so there. So it's, I did. I Cotchen, think it's the most open yeah. Brownlow we've had in a number of seasons. Cochin Watson, Ablett, um Dangerfield, Mitchell Thompson, Mitchell Thompson, Swan Boyd, Swan Pendlebury. Boyd,
0: no, I think Pendleby probably missed too many games. Yeah? So I think that's oh, okay. the, the issue that he would have. He will he mm. will start well, but then he would struggle after that point. Yeah. Um, Brent Stanton will poll well at the start of the
1: year, but then will fall completely away. Mm. Um, and even someone like Joel Selwood, is, he's, he's a proven, a proven vote good. winner, a vote getter, so in all the games that Geelong won this season, yeah, mm. if I and mean, we saw Chris Judd basically jag Brownlow because he won four best on grounds in a row early in the year. If someone does that this season, you'd say mm. that could yeah, that could be what makes Yeah, a the, the
0: tone will be set very early uh, you know you you'll see as I say how much of a jump Watson and Pendlebury in particular get on on guys like Thompson and Dangerfield who are going to poll pretty well on and a consistent basis. And who consist- played every game of the yeah. year. Who are going to-, to poll pretty well on a consistent basis.
1: So, mate, of those yeah 10 or so names we've thrown around, <laughs> I'm fortunate enough to have made one of them as my prediction at the start of the year, so I'm more than happy to just stick with that for consistency's yeah. uh, sake. But, gun to your head, if you had to just say one name for the Brownlow this year of that field, who, who would you go with? I mean, the fact that the field's so tight makes it tough, doesn't it? I didn't say it was an easy question.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, I reckon this if is it was easy, be... I wouldn't have asked you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think this is going to be one of the years where you're going to have to poll 25-plus to win. Um, yeah. And I can see a lot of midfielders being around that mark. Midfielder award and all. I'm leaning towards the Adelaide guys. I'm just... Still trying to work out which one I would win to about three
1: minutes in, still still haven't heard the
0: name. My concern with Dangerfield is that you genuinely don't win him in breakout years. Mm -hmm. I think that he's had a year worthy he's had a year worthy of a brown low and it's a year that's not too dissimilar to Chris Judd's first Brown low in two thousand and four, where he just had elite games that he pulled threes in and got home off of the back of that. Mm-hmm. But I just wonder if perhaps the, the umpires were a bit too slow to pick up on that and he might have missed some opportunities there and that his teammate will take votes off him. Mm. My gut feel is Thompson yeah. at this point in time. Yeah. Um, just for that reason, I, I I think when you're looking at Adelaide, you you have to work out which one of those guys that you tag. I'd... I genuinely tag Dangerfield and then Thompson kills you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so... Well, I mean, Freo did it the other way Yeah. Um, in both their games this season and mm. um, Crowley did a number on Thompson and Dangerfield absolutely tore them to yeah. shreds and Adelaide won. Mm. So... Well, Matthew Wright had a
0: big part to play in both of those games as well. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I, I just think Thompson... The, the Thompson-Dangerfield ones, it's a tough call. If you were betting on the... You know the line on who's going to get the most votes at Adelaide is that you know those guys are, are probably neck and neck, uh, but um, yeah. I just uh, like to watch out for him. watch out for Dane Swan though. That's mm. that's I yeah. think he's not getting much love or much attention, but he's a proven poll poll oh, I'm gout. more at the
1: point there are so many games at the end of the year there where he's just going to be guaranteed threes. You'd say, yeah. So he, but, yeah, yeah, he ran hot for. A, there at the end of the season, where you think yeah. he's going to pick up a, a very high number of votes in a very small number of games. Yeah.
0: So I mean, yeah. Look, I, I, it's it's a tough one, but that that's kind of my head saying my head saying Thompson. All right. At this point in time. Yeah. <laughs>
1: no, that's but it, mate. I, But You're I probably in now
0: <laughs> my head saying Thompson, but I probably wouldn't put money on him. I'd take the longer odds of of somebody like Swan.
1: Well, absolutely. The function yeah. of having that many, um, yeah nice-looking options this year is basically you can just rank them from 1 to 10 in terms of the odds you're getting and just grab the last three guys on that list. You're sure to be getting some some tasty action there. Where's Jamie? Get Jamie on the line. She's got a few, uh, yeah, competitors now. I mean, I don't know that Tom Waterhouse is really a competitor. Oh, well, he's
0: got four generations of betting in his blood, though, dude. Mm, Yeah,
1: but he doesn't have a
0: catchphrase
1: like, Jamie
0: Rogers here. Well, I think that the four generations of betting in his blood is supposedly his catchphrase. I just, I just really disappointed with his effort trying to stop that goal in the soccer. Like he just stands there and watches a ball go by and with this awestruck look on his face. Like seriously, Tom, put the mitts out, get the jukes out. It's Brian
1: Tiger with say. I'm just disappointed that the horses don't trample him. That's all I've got to say about it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but yeah, there was a new. There are a couple of new ones I've seen. We've got Samuel L. Jackson yeah, bit um, three, six, making what? his appearance mm-hmm. now. Yeah, would say they're now based in Australia, and for me, my first question is why? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, why would why would you choose to be based in Australia like that? But, so that one sort of raises more questions than it answers. And yeah. then yeah, there was another there was another new ad I saw um, last night for a new company as well. So they're they're definitely coming out of the woodworks at the moment. Mm. So if nothing sure. else, you could probably look across all the different agencies and work out where you're getting the most generous odds for <laughs> yeah. any sort of action you're interested they,
0: they, in. They're generally <laughs> setting very, very similar lines, as it turns out. So, um, mm. yeah. But, uh, yeah. Your money's
1: still with Jamie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mate. Not for any sort of <laughs> <laughs> gambling reasons, I have yeah. to say. But She's on. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm just waiting for the day where I can just look. Look across to the pillow next to mine Here, Jamie Rogers here. Good luck with that. Well, if nothing yeah. else, it'll get me out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you
0: don't want to be responsible for the, uh, the men's water via pillow. Yeah.
1: And more importantly, each new ad, she's got like a new hairstyle and different amounts of cleavage just bursting mm. out of her top, whereas Tom Waterhouse is getting the same dopey look on his face yeah. every single I, time. I
0: swear that, that shirt's gone through the wash.
1: A few too many times. I'm not complaining so, though. <laughs> Let's uh, keep it going. Yeah, with <laughs> maybe continuous moving, improvement right philosophy. there. <laughs> so,
0: I remember speaking of uh, the whole idea of gambling and betting. I remember having a, a bet with you about three or four years ago about Andy Murray winning a uh, a Grand Slam that particular year. I might have peaked a little bit too early on that yeah, front, but you're a uh, bit ahead
1: of your time there. I have to yeah. say, and I do remember. Not being worried about that one at all when when you did place that bet with me, I do remember thinking, "Geez, GJ usually a pretty savvy guy when it comes to this sort of thing, but he's off his rocker here." Having said that, if you had offered me the same bet at the start of this year, I probably would have thought much the same thing. Mm. But the great Scott yeah. Annie Murray, the perennial bridesmaid, um, has finally stepped
0: up. Well, he's, he's he's great British. He's from Great Britain when he wins. He's from Scotland when he loses. So, yeah, work that out, but... Um, yeah. I'd, I'd rather not. Breaking, breaking the drought. Not only the drought in with regards to his own major record, but the Great Britain drought as well.
1: Yep. I yeah. I mean, I've been very, very harsh on him in the past, purely because I really dislike the way that everyone talks about the big four, because as far as I'm concerned, it is a big three, Featuring the, the top three, <laughs> the big three featuring Andy Murray, maybe yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, the big three featuring Daylight, and then with very special guest Andy Murray. But yeah, as far as I'm concerned, there was just such a big um, gap between the the top three and him. But to give him his credit, he yeah, he's finally um, stepped up and and knocked off Djokovic in the final. Now, for me, the big question is. Could he have won the Grand Slam if he'd had to play Federer or Nadal in the semis as well? And I would say no. So I think he's... And, you know, that's not his fault. He can only play who's out there. But I think the... Yeah, the cards definitely fell his way in that tournament. Um, in that he didn't have to play sort of, you know, one of the big guys and then the other one. But the same could be said about Djokovic, who is now... Yeah, that's... um three very disappointing results for him in a row, for a guy who couldn't lose last year. Now, after that victory against Nadal, which I thought was just basically the beginning of the end for everyone else, I thought he was just going to kick on and sweep all before him. He hasn't won a Grand Slam since then. And to be honest, Nadal beat him pretty comfortably on clay. Federer beat him very comfortably at Wimbledon. Um, And losing to Andy Murray here, yeah, it's, it's... to, uh, to quite a f- ESPN writer. A few chinks popping up in the armour, maybe. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Jeez, did, you- <laughs> did you really <laughs> have to recycle that one? Oh, well, get- no, I just God. thought it was worthwhile bringing that up. Episode 1, in case you're uh, yeah. playing along at home. Um, and Serena winning number 15. Now, the big question, can she get to 20?
1: Well, Mm-mm. I don't know. I mean... For me, there are a lot of people talking about her as the greatest of all time now. And I think you just got to look at Margaret Court's record of 24, which is so far above and beyond anything that Federer, Sampras, Laver, Serena Williams, you know, Steffi Graf, all these... Away uh, yeah, all these greats in tennis. Um, she is head and... Sh- it's almost Bradman-esque, the extent to which she's just head and shoulders above the rest of them. But, I mean... Ever since Justine uh, Henin retired, I've always thought that there is no one on tour who is willing to just go toe-to-toe, look Serena in the eye and say, yeah, I know how competitive you are. I know how much you want it, but I want it more. Mm. And that is the biggest issue. That is the biggest... The number one reason why she's been so successful is her competitiveness and her desire to win. That is all it is. You can talk about her ground strokes and her serve and... Her fat ass and everything else, the pros and cons. Mm. But at the end of the day, it is her competitive desire to win that has fueled her success overall. And I think when you look at um, sort of the Ivanoviches and all the other sort of, you know, starlets and glamour princesses of the tennis world, when push comes to shove and they're forced to match up against Serena Williams. They've got no hope at all. Jeez, if you accuse me of being a politician, man, come
0: on, you haven't answered the question. Can she get to 20? <laughs> no, of course she can't. She's, she's too old now. This is the problem. Well, when, she was, posted, when she was posted the same question, I actually got a response, which was very cheeky, which was, well, if I win four next year, I'll get pretty close. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And I think that, that ties back into uh, to what you were saying as well, her attitude of, you know...
1: If I'm walked in, it's all over. It probably... Let me put it this way. If she's going to win 20, she she probably does have to win three next year, Mm. I think. I mean, as as strong as her desire is, you'd have to think that this might have been sort of her her last... This is her sort of last hurrah at the moment. I mean, she's been in... Talk about Djokovic's run last year. She's had a similar... A run of form over the, yeah, the previous months of this year. Mm-hmm. No one's come close to beating her. So you have to think, you know, she came back from a literally a life-threatening injury. Do we really think she has, you know, another three years left in her, which mm. is probably how long she'd need? I'd say no. But, look, yeah, if you had to bet on anyone in the women's game doing it, then, yeah. Serena would be the one. But no, I don't think I don't think she has enough time yeah. left to get and to twenty now.
0: Quick thoughts on Andy Roddick who's uh, wrapped it up wrapped it up to spend more time with his hot wife.
1: Oh, did you have to put it like that, <laughs> Jeez, yeah. jeez. you have well, to denigrate it. God. And I cannot speak highly enough of Andy Roddick. I absolutely love the bloke. I think he's just one of the genuinely nice guys. Of the sporting world in in general, not just tennis. I think there is just so much to like about the way he goes about it. <laughs> Unless but, you're a juno and you ask him a stupid question. But that's what I'm talking about. That right there. He's <laughs> just a genuine person on and off the court. There's no frills, no pretences, nothing like that. And I think he's been incredibly unlucky to have have been playing in the era with um, Federer and Nadal, but particularly Federer because he he would have won several Wimbledons if not for Roger Federer. And I'll always remember 2008 when... I was 08 or 09, but the the final that he lost, 16-14 to Federer in the fifth set, Mm. I I openly wept um, when he gave his speech at the end of that where he said, he made a comment like, I'm going to continue coming back here and try to win this tournament that I love so much. And I I just thought, yeah, if you had to pick a sporting event where someone had just given their absolute all, played above and beyond themselves and still <laughs> fallen short, mm. yeah, he couldn't have done anything, anything more that day other than hit that winner on set point in the second set. But, um, yeah, he was unfortunate enough to come up against Federer. So, yeah, hats off to Roddick. Mm. I think he's had a great career. I mean, I'd put him ahead of Andy Murray comfortably just in terms of how much he achieved and just his all-round persona. and Mm. Yeah, the the general vibe about the guy was just outstanding. He'd be chatting to umpires and he'd be asked, there's a YouTube clip... Where he asks the umpire, have you given me a code violation yet? And the umpire says no. So he picks up a racket and absolutely smashes it and then makes a comment like, well, at least I've made it worth my while now. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like the way that he was very jovial, laid back, and just talked to everyone like a yeah, like a oh. genuinely decent bloke. And I think that's, yeah, there needs to be more characters like that in sport today.
0: Yeah, well... Does Kevin Peterson fit the same category? Oh. Given that it seems that his, uh, well, his career can, is
1: coming to an end. You could say that they're both equally genuine, but Kevin Peterson's just a genuine dickhead. So the other end of the scale. It's an interesting one with KP, because you could argue both sides. You could come out now and say, look, he's apologised, he's towed the line, he's done everything that ECB have asked of him but they still haven't selected him um, for the tour to India. So at this point, you wonder sort of whether, yeah, whether the punishment is sort of starting to not fit the crime anymore. Or are they just at the point where they're going, we can't be bothered
0: dealing with the distraction, it's becoming a bit Ben Cousins-ish.
1: but you have, there are people who have made the argument, surely you've got to pick your 11 best players. Mm. And I think, yeah, it's it's a very interesting one. I don't a, really know I don't what know. the I mean, decision yeah, is mean, with him.
0: Yes and no. I, I I understand the sentiment, and I agree with the sentiment. But if you've got a personality in the change rooms, that means that the other ten percent, sorry, the other ten players are performing at a level that's ten percent below. Mm. Are you better off taking the guy who's not quite as talented but creates harmony in the in the change rooms?
1: In this case, I, I think they're definitely better off selecting KP. Mm. And if nothing else, if they select him and he's pissed off at the entire world, then you wouldn't want to be playing against England, put it that way. That would actually mm. drive him even more. But, yeah, it's hard to sort of come out and say, be really scathing of them because you can see where they're coming from. And, mm. yeah, as I say, it's one of those rare instances where I can't really make up my mind. What the right way to go about it is. I re- think in the first place, though, he shouldn't have been such a pompous arrogant yeah. git. That's really well. The I
0: start think of, I, I think that they're doing the right thing. I honestly think, you, you know, the the what he's su- supposedly done. So the
1: fact that he scored a century for his county side on in, you know during the test match where England lost the world number one ranking, that doesn't. That Doesn't factor into your nah, decision at all. No, not really. I
0: think that the when you when you start um, accentuating the individual at the expense of the team, that's when the problems start. Mm. And I think that you've he, he, you've got to buy into the team concept. And I'm not quite sure he's ever really bought into it as such. I, th- I mean, all you have to do is look at his stint as captain for proof no, of that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so. One of the best comments I read about the whole situation, though, was that in time he will look back with regret on how it's impacted Andrew Strauss. Yeah. I I th- he and Andrew Strauss were actually um, quite close mates compared to um, yeah, some of his other relationships. But what they said was that... Yeah, if it had just been Andrew Strauss, things might have blown over, but instead he pulled the tail of a tiger in mm. Andy Flower, and I think Flower's been the real driving force behind um, his mm. continued omission.
0: Yeah, well, that's fair enough. So, um, so yes, it's a interesting situation. Oh, let me
1: put it this way, Ash is nine months away, I'm very. I'm much rather seeing us play an England sign without Kevin Peterson in it.
0: Yeah, Papara doesn't exactly scare oh you gosh. that much, does he?
1: Papara.
0: Jeez. Uh, uh, other momentous. Uh, 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 another momentous. That's easy for you to so. say. <laughs> no, it's not. That's why I'm struggling. Another momentous. Uh, Occasion or event happened uh, a few weeks ago. Tiger Woods becoming the first professional golfer to crack 100 million. Can you believe that? Well, who
1: else was going to beat him to the mark? Well,
0: though? I think <laughs> that the thing that was really, really interesting is when Tiger Woods started, the uh, the all time leading money earner had earned 9.6 million. It mm. just shows you how much money that guy has bought into professional golf.
1: So, is that just prize money? Just prize that, money um, winnings, yes. Okay. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Wow. I mean, it's hard and, uh, to sort Ewan, of compare eras yeah. based on dollar values now. No, nice, but, but I
0: mean, Ewan Nordegrin quite appreciative of that, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: yeah. she's,
0: she's now probably the second highest earner <laughs> of all time. But um, I mean, look, that, it's a tremendous achievement. Print up, power up. Yeah. Gonna throw that, yeah. Throw that. Um, out we'll, there. Yeah. Check out the South Park episode about Tiger Woods. there. Mm. So, I could throw in. There's also a really uh, a really funny song by a band called Steel Panther called which is called Just Like Tiger Woods, which is basically talking about if you want to be like Tiger Woods and talking about all the escapades. It's actually quite funny. Um, well worth listening to. Poor but, old
1: Tiger though. Now yeah. whatever he achieves in his career from here yeah. on out, I mean, before that scandal broke, if you were <laughs> listing the top ten sportsmen in any sport of all time. Tiger Woods would invariably get a mention. Now, it's mm-hmm. just, it really has changed his entire legacy. Um, you know, it doesn't take anything away from what he achieved. Oh, but absolutely The right. fact that it has now just coincided with a complete decline in his form, it now means, yeah, I don't... It doesn't matter if he comes out and wins the next 12, 12 majors. Mm. It's forever sort of, yeah, tarnished reputation. Yeah, his I mean, reputation. it's
0: exactly right. I mean, he's... A- He's a, he's a bit of a, a punchline these days, which isn't... As you say, when you consider everything that he's done, it's um, it's not necessarily fair. I mean, he's... But, um, yeah.
1: But that's that's the life. So but, if you're going to win $100 million, then you've got to sort of take what comes with that.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see him get back to
0: his best. But, um, I mean, you do raise an interesting point. I mean, who'd want to be who'd want to have been a sponsor at that particular point in time because that was also around the same time of uh, the decision with LeBron James, which caused all kinds of uproar as Mm. well. And they were arguably the two most marketable athletes in America at that point in time. And, yeah, (laughs) people people jumping off them left, right and centre.
1: I mean, let me put it this way. You wouldn't have to worry about that if you were sponsoring Andy Roddick. (laughs) That's a nice little summation, isn't it? Yeah. If you look, if you could have sort of Tiger Woods's talent with Andy Roddick's um, temperament and attitude, they're yeah. probably mutually exclusive. But
0: I mean, you, to wrap to wrap up the US recap, we've got the the baseball season
1: finishing up and the NFL season starting. Oh. And as a Twins fan, let me tell you, the season cannot end soon enough. Although we have managed to, I think, we're currently sitting equal fourth in our division rather than dead last as we have been for most of the year and as a Red
0: Sox fan I'm officially cheering for Baltimore right now
1: oh you you and everyone else surely surely I mean everyone likes to see the Yankees lose at the best of times but to see the Yankees lose to the just the perennial easy beats of that division that would be yeah
0: yeah great Baltimore's a great story this year Washington's a great story Washington Qualifying for the uh, the postseason officially yesterday. Yeah, uh, along with the Cincinnati Reds, mm. it's a great effort on their behalf. I think they said that it's uh, the, well, it's certainly the first time since they uh, they moved there, but um, the first time a Washington baseball team had qualified since the
1: 1930s, mm. and particularly in baseball, where invariably you'll find it's the same teams from mm. each division who are going through on a regular basis. Yeah. It's, it's good to see a couple of um, yeah, yeah couple of teams names. in there for a change.
0: And uh, the the NFL is probably getting more attention for the referees than they are, than they are for the games at the moment, with uh, all kinds of issues with uh, the uh, official officials on strike.
1: Honestly, what is going on with the American sports industry at the moment? Yeah, uh, uh, it's it's amazing that uh, yeah, first the players in the basketball, and now the refs in the NFL. It's, yeah, uh,
0: uh, and uh, you know the the game the other night, uh, which I which I was watching, which was the Denver Atlanta game. I was watching it for obvious reasons. Uh, Denver's coach John Fox was just going off at these guys pretty much for the whole game, and they were yeah. It's a, it's, it's it's not fair on those guys because the rules are actually slightly different. They're getting guys from you know, Division Three college and
1: high school. Oh, they're hiding to nothing. If that's they do a good, good job, no one will say anything about yeah, it. Yeah,
0: that's exactly right. But, yeah, if they do a bad job, when yeah. they haven't been trained or skilled up
1: oh, to the level they, required... The experience at that yeah. level, yeah, you can't just throw yeah. them in like that. So, yeah. it's
0: it's unfortunate. I mean, what, what has actually happened as a consequence of that is talking about the gambling side of things earlier on, Jamie and her friends, but in particular <laughs> the guys in Las Vegas have... Uh, Notice the trend that the home teams are winning a lot more at the moment, and as a result, the the lines are being shifted accordingly. Very nice. So Very nice uh, to see. That's the, the role of advanced analytics in setting lines in sports betting. But yeah. noticing noticing the trend, sort of trend and trend. going with it.
1: Yeah. Good, good stuff. Good work, boys. Nice little bit of cynicism behind that as well, which is always what we like to see.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, as a, yeah, so I think it was out of the 16 games last week, I think 14 of the home teams got up, which is, in the NFL, is is pretty rare. That's a, it's, it's more than an aberration, put it
1: that way. Chris Scott's probably sitting there going, see, this is what I was talking about.
0: <laughs> oh, Chris Scott, yeah. Well, Chris Scott's had a lot of time to look at things like
1: that. So Yeah, well, he's got a few extra weeks off in September this year, doesn't he? Yeah, that's right. So, watching
0: watching all of these players slowly retire one by one, it be interesting to see. I, with the trade period coming up, actually, in a couple of weeks, John. I think Geelong will be pretty big players, actually, to do a bit of a list refresh. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're they're kind of stuck in the middle, so it would be interesting to see what happens with them. But uh,
1: uh, it, Yeah, you just look at the draft period at the moment, and it... It really does emphasise the extent to which the AFL have compromised the integrity of the entire league for the sake of these expansion clubs. Mm. Because you cannot possibly see any team moving up or down the ladder dramatically in the next few seasons. Everyone everyone else is sort of just treading water at the moment. <laughs> it's kind of funny you say that and yet the Eagles in Adelaide have done exactly that in the last two years. But, oh, but have Adelaide done that really? Really? They've, they've yeah. had a much easier draw. That's all right. they've done.
0: Well, I mean, they have the, you make the same argument for the Eagles. I think that that's kind of where the aberration happens. It's mm. it's compounded by the fact that you can be a, a bottom-feeder type team and get a more favourable draw yeah. that kind of halos how effective you really were mm. that year. I mean, I jumped on Adelaide and I jumped on North very early on. Before a lot of commentators
1: bothered to notice the fact that they had plum draws. I mean, this is the thing when you're bringing in teams like this and you don't have a fixturing system where each team plays the other an even number of times, then it's open to these sorts of... And
0: I actually saw probably the best recommendation I've ever seen with regards to what the AFL draw should look like. I'm gonna. I'm gonna mention it here. I read it somewhere. Oh, it was on Big Footy somewhere. I think I can't remember who that, said it.
1: That's a reliable source, right. right there. Though I can't remember. I can't, remember, I
0: can't remember who said it. But I tell you what. Much props to you. And uh, yeah, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry for for reflecting on it. Please send me an email and tell me who you were. But basically, what they suggested was the twenty-two. The twenty-two round series. Should be played in this particular way. The first seventeen rounds you play each team once,
1: absolutely,
0: and then basically you split the league up into three. You have one to six playing each other, inverting the games from earlier in the year. And what you're doing is you're playing for positions. You're basically playing for a top four spot. Six, to, uh, sorry, seven to twelve are playing each other for the top two to get through. In the elimination final, to play the bottom two teams from the top six in knockout stage to go forward 13 to 18, playing for draft picks.
1: Yep. Look, I, I do so, disagree, but the problem with that is that it's based on the assumption that the AFL are interested in fairness I was gonna, of the draw. I was just gonna what they that. are looking at is, okay, these are the marquee matches where Demetrio is going to fill his coffers with X extra millions of dollars, so these teams have to play each other oh. twice, year in, year out. And that, at the end of the day, is what matters most to the AFL.
0: Yeah. It's not a black or white solution, it's always a green one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, But, yeah, I was about to say, it's so simple, it's so obvious, it's so effective, so there's no way the AFL would ever contemplate it.
1: That's like picking Matthew Pavlich in the All-Australian team this year. Yeah. The other little conspiracy theory I have about that one is that had Pav been picked, he would have had the most All-Australian selections of any current player with seven. So maybe, um, you know, with all the favours and, you know, sexual <laughs> whatever's that uh, Chris Judd and a uh, few of those other guys have given to the AFL and the umpires departments and everything like that over the years they just decided, oh no we can't have some chump from out outpointing them all Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I all I know is that if you had to come up with a good reason for them not picking Pavlich, that sounds as good as any to me. Well
0: I just think is that they clearly didn't watch Fremantle this year, it's as simple as that yeah, um, the guy single-handedly got them into the finals, and it was an absolute. As I said earlier on, he would have been my captain, and it was an absolute. Travesty. Captain, my captain, and it would have been an absolute trav. It's an absolute travesty that he wasn't picked.
1: Yeah. it's the. It really is the same as Lecrae, not getting yeah. picked. Basically,
0: yeah, it's as simple. As get it on that. to it, Hitler. Yeah, if you haven't already, get Update on to the it, rant, baby. Update the rant, and I think that's probably a good time for us to stop ranting. We're going off on the Hitler note. We're going off on the Hitler yeah. note. Yeah, let's let's go off on that.
1: Fair enough. We, so, we're not really trying to pull the Jewish market for this week's episode, are we? No, no. Alright, well, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I, I had, had a it. feeling there was going to be some sort of racially insensitive comment there. <laughs> I'm I'm glad we waited that one out, George. So, well, <laughs> until next time. Later skaters? Later hosen. <laughs>